and uh, we're going to move through this. I, I think that I'll conclude this class in two more sessions, unless I get inspired on another facet of this. And so I'm going to conclude it with uh, some practical aspects of pleading the blood and of, uh, of uh, actually practical application with the number of testimonies, uh, of which there are many that are first-hand testimonies, which are always uh, the most interesting of people who've actually applied and uh, have seen the benefits uh, of the blood of Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to do that. And uh, we've been teaching, for those who are visit, uh, visiting uh, for a number of weeks, on the precious blood, using as a text First Peter 1.19. And uh, I want to just recap while we get our minds locked back in again. Uh, somebody tell me very quickly why uh, the blood of Jesus Christ is precious. Mick Woodcock. Okay, the blood of Jesus Christ is unique. There is no other blood like it. Uh, and uh, uh, why would that be so? Okay, there's the only begotten Son of God. Is that correct? Okay, so uh, how can the blood cleanse? We studied that last week. How can the blood cleanse? 2,000 years ago, uh, that blood was shed on Calvary's tree. So how can the blood cleanse today? We're, uh, we're living in a space age. We go around the world in a matter of hours. We do moonshots and, and uh, so on. So uh, we're scientific. We are intelligent. We are brilliant. We are uh, the epitome of all God's creation in all time or eternity. So how can we expect that to, to apply today? How can the blood cleanse us? Uh, Don Galati. By faith, we can appropriate that for right now. Okay, how do we know that? The Bible tells me so. Little children need to know. Right. Okay, very good. That's, uh, that's well grounded in Scripture. Paul? Anybody happen to think of a verse of scripture anywhere in the Bible that uh, would apply? Uh, Casey. We find that in Genesis 3, is that right? No, where do we find that? <laughs> you don't remember. Well, if you were in a fight uh, for your soul, you'd need to know, wouldn't you? Anybody know where that's at? Is Alan? All right, nine. We're getting closer. Any place in Hebrews nine? Is uh... ah yes. See this? We're just exposing the great failing of American Christianity. They have a lot of vague ideas, but they don't know what it's all about. Okay, Don. Hebrews 9.14. You better know in this generation, dear folks, you better know your Bible. You better know. We're, we're in the last sweep of deception. You better know your Bible. Uh, Jeff Brown. Okay. 
That's what? Barbaric. Barbaric, okay. Paganistic. Jeff Brown's always been a practical man. It's cut and dry. That's it. I agree with that. Uh, Yvette? Church of Christ. That's why we're having adult Bible Sunday school class. Cleanses us from all unrighteousness. We say we uh, have no sin, we lie, do not the truth, we confess our sin. He's faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, very good. So, uh, uh, why is the problem of sin more than what we do? Uh, Twister? Very good. I'm proud of you, Twister. You picked up on what I taught last Sunday. You make me feel good. Okay. Uh, so we're going to uh, we're going to go on with our study for a moment, and so the central truth of Christianity is not one of morals or ethics. There are morals, there are ethics that are involved, but uh, it's not morals or ethics. It's not ritual. It's not rules or laws, but it is a relationship and of an intimacy. This is the central truth of Christianity. And the one new revolutionary concept that Jesus Christ brought into the world was the concept of God as our Father. So we want to uh, look first at 1 Peter 1.19. This is our base scripture. I'd like for uh, someone to get that. Samantha, do you have that? Would you like to do that for us in a loud, clear voice? And then, uh, Pete, if you'll get Ephesians 2.13 and read that for me. Okay, the precious blood of Christ. Then I want Ephesians 2.13. Uh, Pete, if you'll get that for me. Don Galati, I want you to get for me Mark 15, 37 and 38. Pete uh, Baker. All right, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off are made near by the blood of Christ. Okay, we want to lock in on that for a moment because we want to examine this business of being near to God. Uh, Mark, uh, Mark 15, did I give you, or Matthew? Mark, Mark uh, 15, 37, 38, Don Galati gives us the picture. Christ dies on the cross, and something happens uh, tremendous at that time. 15, 37, and 38.
that moment, the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. This is very significant, and this means now that, uh, that there's been a shift in God's working with humanity. Now it's going to focus on something else. We're going to examine that uh, in a moment. Someone gave me this little uh, ditty. He says, Dear God, so far today I've done all right. I haven't gossiped, haven't lost my temper, haven't been greedy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgent. I'm really glad about that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed, and from then on I'm probably going to need a lot more help. This is our problem. Okay. So we want a number of scriptures, if we could, uh, right in this section, Galatians 4, 4 through 7. Somebody like to get that for me? Uh, Casey, I uh, want Romans 8, 14 through 17. Philip, I'd like to have uh, John 14, 21 through 23. Jonathan, I want John 16, 23 through 27. Uh, Brenda, I want Matthew 6, 9 through 15. Uh, Woody, and I want Luke 15:32, uh, Twister, and I want John 16:15, uh, Sean. Okay, so we're going to move through, and uh, what we want to focus on is the relationship that you and I have as sons. See, Jesus Christ gave a completely new concept. This concept was a focus of the entire New Testament revelation. It's in the Gospels. It's in the example of his prayers, his relationship, moves into the book of Acts, goes on through the epistles, and an emphasis is placed on believers in Jesus Christ as sons of God, children of God, and this is relationship of sons. This is by adoption. Galatians 4, 4 through 7. So uh, we immediately, uh, uh, the objection is going to come, when you talk about uh, being sons of God, uh, it's going to come, yes, but uh, that's impossible. We were not born by God directly, uh, and so we have no right to claim that. And so this is why the epistles go to great lengths to bring us to an understanding that those who believe in Jesus Christ are sons of God. Galatians 4, 4 through 7. By his blood, we have been brought near to God. This speaks of an intimacy, and we want to focus on that. Romans 8, 14 through 17. This is very important. This speaks of kinship, means placing as a son. Even though we were uh, uh, our sons of Adam and that we've lost the inheritance that Adam lost, we gain this back through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. His relationship is restored. As it is restored to those who believe in Jesus Christ, then we're made heirs 
and the inheritance becomes ours. Inheritance is one of the big words uh, in Scripture. Placing as a son, this means kinship. Let's take the time to read uh, a, a great quote by Adam Clark. Uh, it says, The spirit of adoption. Adoption was an act frequent among the ancient Hebrews, Greeks, and Romans, by which a person was taken out of one family and incorporated with another. Persons of property who had no children of their own adopted those of another family. The child thus adopted ceased to belong to his own family and was in every respect bound to the person who had adopted him as if he were his own child. And in consequence of the death of his adopting father, he possessed his estates. If a person after he had adopted a child happened to have children of his own, then the estate was equally divided between the adopted and real children the Romans had regular forms of law by which all these matters were settled. It goes on to say, it has been remarked that slaves were not permitted to use the term Abba, father, or Emma, mother, in accosting their masters and mistresses. Uh, the Hebrew Canaan uh, relative to this is, uh, goes on to say, verse 16 of Romans 8, uh, 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 giving an exposition, says the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that same spirit, the spirit of adoption, that is the spirit who witnesses this adoption, which can be no other than the Holy Spirit himself, and certainly cannot mean any disposition or affection of mind which the adopted person may feel. For such a disposition must arise from a knowledge of this adoption, and the knowledge of this adoption cannot be given by any human or earthly means. It must come from God himself. Therefore, the uh, uh, Holy Spirit... Uh, or spirit of adoption must have reference to that spirit by whom alone the knowledge of the adoption is witnessed as the son uh, of the believer. We therefore have the utmost evidence of the fact of our adoption which we can possibly have. We have the word and the spirit of God and the word sealed in our, on our spirit by the spirit of God. And this is not a momentary uh, influx, if we take care to walk with God and not grieve the Holy Spirit, we have an abiding testimony. This is why uh, we have an assurance. This is why people pray. They repent. They pray. They receive God as, uh, as, uh, their, uh, as their Father and their Savior. And instantly, there's a witness. Uh, John says, we have the witness in our spirit that we are the children of God. So this is not simply a doctrinal or a theological. This is an actual uh, uh, fact that is born witness in our spirit. And this is what the, the, the Christian faith is all about. This is why the, the, that Ephesians said we're made near by the blood of Christ. It has a, it has a, a, a connotation of relationship and intimacy. It means that you and I now uh, have a relationship with God. And this is when the temple was rent. This made this possible, uh, the veil of the temple, uh, so that we can be that. So Jesus Christ himself underlined this relationship. Let's look at that for a moment. John 14, 21 through 23. Okay, this makes uh, reality. This is not uh, just simply some uh, figment of someone's imagination. This is not simply 
uh, dry theological doctrine, but it's the reality of that mystery of God himself and a transaction with the soul of man. This is what Jesus was talking about in John 3. Uh, when uh, he came to Nicodemus and says, except a man be born again, he cannot uh, enter the kingdom of God. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, I don't understand what you're talking about. You need me to enter back into my mother's womb and be born the second time. Jesus said, that's the natural birth. It's accompanied by water. But except a man be born of the spirit uh, and of the water, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Don't, uh, don't marvel at this. You hear the wind blowing in the trees. You see uh, the trees moving. You even hear the sound of it. But you can't tell where it comes or where it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. There's an invisible spiritual transaction. And the person who is born again has an assurance of that. He knows that he's saved. This is why uh, we often have people come into our services. They come from churches that uh, 30 to 40 years ago preached the gospel and have doctrine of salvation. But the moment they're in the service that an invitation is given, many of them, the first service, lift their hand. They have no assurance of, of salvation because they're not born again. Just that simple. Okay. Uh, John 16, 23 through 27. Jesus said in the, in the scripture that Jonathan said, if, if, you, if, you, if you walk, you have this relationship, you actually enter into this, my father and I, We'll manifest ourselves to him, and we'll make our abode with him. We'll live with him. No cult, no religious teaching, no doctrine even approaches those kinds of statements. That is peculiar to the Christian revelation, and that is a profound and a fantastic statement that you and I now are near to God in an intimate relationship as father and son uh, and children. Okay, so we have the, what scripture did I call out? John um, Okay, here's this glorious statement. Christ says it is, this relationship's going to change. Uh, I'm praying. You're seeing results, but there's going to come a time when you'll have that personal relationship, and at that time, you'll pray the Father himself, and uh, he loves you, and he will hear and answer your prayer. Matthew 6, 9 through 15. Okay, here's this relationship, and, uh, and uh, we know that many people just simply glibly. But you see, what, what Jesus spoke there is unique 
in religion and is a profound statement of God's uh, concern and care for you. It comes out of this relationship of Father and His children. Luke 15, verse 32. Okay, here's, here's this restoring of relationship in a parable that Jesus told of the prodigal son. And, uh, and, and this is what's happened to every sinner that repents and comes to Christ. John 16 and verse 15. Okay, here's this, this potent, powerful, wonderful statement. This is Christ. And this is why the, the Bible says that we're made near by the blood of Christ. As that relationship's given to us, that privilege is ours. We want to examine one more thing, and this relationship is by faith in Jesus Christ. Galatians 3, 26 through 29, over on my far right. I'd like to get somebody to get that for me, if you'll raise your hand. Galatians 3, uh, Juanita Schultz, and uh, is it Michael Solano? Uh, Galatians 4, 28 through 31. Galatians 3, 26 through 29, Juanita Schultz. Yes. For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Okay, and if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Remember what I've emphasized to you over and over again. Abraham is the key that unlocks the New Testament. Unlocks the whole Bible. That if you begin to understand the covenant God made with Abraham and his descendants, then you begin to understand the Bible. And so, uh, not to be drawn aside, the, the scripture that she read says, If you believe in Jesus Christ, then are you Abraham's seed or his descendants and heirs according to the promise. And this uh, promise is this glorious uh, relationship that we're to have with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, Galatians 4, 28 through 31. Okay, so this gives us now this complete relationship, and uh, he's putting this in, in uh, Isaac and Ishmael to bring, it to, uh, to bring it to some clarity because they would have been familiar with that. And so uh, this is a relationship that we have as sons. Now, this means something. So let's uh, go forward to this for a moment because this means now that we have access to the throne of grace. Uh, I want Ephesians 2, 11 through 13 over on my left. Somebody, uh, Eleanor Lazock, and I want Ephesians 2, 18 and 19. Uh, Mac McCarty. And so uh, uh, access. So we're, we're talking about uh, we're near through the blood of Christ. So what does that mean? What does that mean? That means now we have a relationship as sons of God, children of God. So what does that mean? Well, there's a story that's told about Abraham Lincoln, and uh, when he was president of the United States, uh, his boy uh, was in a habit. Uh, there were, uh, all of his aides uh, were given orders. No one was to have access to him, but his little boy uh, had habits of uh, coming in, and even in the solemnest of meeting, he would come in and uh, interrupt and uh, hop up on his father's lap. And so his aides were alarmed at this, 
But Abraham Lincoln gave orders that any time his son wanted access to him, he was to allow him in regardless of where he was and what he was doing as this little boy had the privilege of coming in and uh, seeing his father jumping up on his lap, getting a little assurance. This is what we mean by relationship. Are you still with me this morning? So this is what it means to uh, be a child of God. This is relationship that supersedes and gains audience. Ephesians 2, 11 through 13. that time you were without Christ, you were an alien from the commonwealth of Israel. You had no claim on God of any kind. Go ahead. Strangers from the covenants of promise. You had no, no claim on God of any kind, whatever. You're a sinner, separated from God. Remember, we, we talked about that. You have no relationship. Go ahead. Okay, but now you who sometimes were far off, you had no hope, are made near by the blood of Christ. That means you have access. Ephesians two eighteen through nineteen. Okay, here it spells it out. Strangers were persons who uh, had no. Uh, property in the land, and uh, by law they could only rent a house for the time being. And, and this is true even today. Many, many, many countries you cannot own property. Uh, many of our missionaries we send in until they get a visa with a legal residence. They cannot even uh, uh, have a title deed to a car. They, they have to they have to wait until they have a legal residence. Then they can purchase uh, a car. Others they can't even rent a building. Uh, they uh, they have to go through these processes, and so we can understand readily what that's talking about. No access until because you are aliens. Okay, so uh, we want to carry this on for a bit further before we get into a uh, uh, into a discussion. I want Mark 15, uh, 37 and 38 again. I think uh, somebody read that for us. It was Don Galat. If you'll get that for me again, I want Romans 5:2 over on my far right. Somebody get that for me. Romans 5, 2, Mike Solano, uh, Ephesians 3, 12, again, um, Pete Baker. I want Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. Somebody in this, uh, Jimmy Ference. I want Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Somebody else right here. Uh, Dennis. Okay. So access is the key to life. Actually, lifestyle. So we're, our newspapers and magazines are filled with uh, news about White House coffees and fundraisers and Arlington Cemetery plots and Businesses are being favored and uh, favored nation status and Long Beach facilities and etc. and the Lincoln bedroom uh, for $50,000. So that's called access. Are you listening to me? That's called access. The reason these people are, are giving huge campaign donations, the reason that they're... Uh, paying uh, $50,000 to sleep in the Lincoln bedroom overnight. The reason that they're uh, uh, paying huge sums of money to be in a photo opera is access. It's called access. Access means big bucks. 
Okay, that's the perverse side, but there is also is a tremendous spiritual truth in a Bible picture, and that has to do with access to our Father uh, in heaven. Matthew 15, 37 and 38, read it again. Okay, so the veil of the temple was torn into from top to bottom. In other words, God gave an illustrated sermon. This was a, a moment that was registered. This was witnessed. That's why it's written in the Bible. It doesn't go on to explain it. just simply makes a statement. But we find on over in the book of Hebrews uh, that that's explained a little more fully. And we begin to see what that's all about, which means access to God in reality. Romans 5, 2. Okay, through faith in Jesus Christ then, we have access into this grace in which we stand. Grace uh, is uh, several tenses to it. It means free and unmerited favor with God is one meaning. Another meaning is... Uh, divine energy or power uh, to us were made manifest. So however you want to uh, understand it, it's a glorious and a wonderful privilege that through faith we have access. Through faith, remember, it's not a mechanical thing. You carry a big black Bible, you can get one a foot big and a foot high. You can be religious. It doesn't make any difference. Faith is the key. Without faith in the blood of Jesus Christ, you're wasting your time. All you are is religious. And it'll gain you nothing, but we're talking about reality of, uh, of touching God in faith. Ephesians 3.12. Okay, this explains our condition. Ephesians 3.12, we reiterated that that was uh, written before. And uh, that was something that was past. That's our past tense. But now, uh, in uh, Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us, through the veil that is his flesh. Having a high priest... Through the veil. You pick that up. Through the veil that is his flesh. That veil that was rent, that now opens to us access to God as our Father was the, His body in that body that was crucified on Calvary that was given. That veil is rent. Now we have access. Go ahead, Jimmy. Having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart. Let us draw near with a true heart. In full assurance of faith. In full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled by the blood of Jesus Christ from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. He flashes back into the ritual of the of the priesthood in the temple, gaining access to God, and uh, and spells this out in in scriptural terms. Hebrews four fourteen through sixteen. Not sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. 
Let us, we have all these things there. Jesus is passing into the heavens, our high priest, the Son of God. Let us then come boldly to the throne of grace that we might uh, find grace uh, to help in time of need. Okay, so let's just pause right there for a moment, see if we have questions uh, that we might uh, be able to clarify or someone with input uh, would like to give us some input at this point. Questions? Everybody's asleep. Mac McCarty. Yes. Yeah, I never forget when my wife and I went to Courtney Brand, Vancouver Island, British Columbia, to uh, pastor a church there. And when we uh, crossed the uh, line, is uh, we were interviewed and. Uh, and uh, so on and so forth, and uh, they gave us a, stat- a status of uh, alien, a landed immigrant. And I, you know, that was, that was a difficult thing for me to be, he said, hey, you know, I'm an American. <laughs> well, that's great, but you're in Canada now. You're, are you following what we're saying? This is what Max trying to bring out, is that this young man is a Vietnamese, uh, had come to America, and he was a landed immigrant, but he was still an alien status. He may have had a uh, legal right to reside, but he had no rights as far as voting and limited uh, access, except today where they all get on welfare and we pay taxes and they don't have to work and they become rich. And so, uh, yes, sir. So. Uh, Jeff Brown. Well, it does vaguely, but not clearly. Very vague. In other words, uh, most of Israel claimed their rights uh, through their father Abraham. Okay, and so, but and and so the, all the types are there, and there's the allusion to it. But it it came down to the personal relationship between a believer and God uh, in Christ. That's focused, and that's peculiar to Christianity. You don't find that anywhere in any other religion. That's not uh, that's not the foundation of it, and that beautiful truth is not there. Uh, Sean? Yeah. Okay. So uh, there's a, the beautiful thing of relationship is what we're talking about. Again, that isn't just a feeling. It's, this is reality rooted in the revelation of God and in the witness of the Holy Spirit based on the Word of God. Very good. Somebody else. Uh, Brenda? It's a name, but I, as I related to you earlier, I worked with a Mormon uh, missionary. Uh, when I was first saved, he tried to proselyte me, and it was through the, the uh, tension and trying to resist his proselytization that I came to the revelation of the blood of Jesus Christ. It dawned on me, and at the same time, I was baptized with the Holy Spirit. It was, uh, it was very interesting that what we're talking about, uh, this is why you'll go into all the mainline denominations that they've taken, slowly taken the blood out of the books. They're not there anymore. They'll sing about the blood. Uh, but there's something powerful about what we're studying about. I can tell you that. Something very, very powerful about what we're studying about. Somebody else. 
Okay, let's, uh, let's move uh, forward and we're going to come back. So, uh, what, we're, what we're speaking of is a relationship, and so we want to home in on the covenant, because we, we touched on the covenant before, and this is the covenant that releases all that God is to those who are sons of God. I want uh, several scriptures right in this section. Isaiah 9, 6. Uh, Dennis, I want Hebrews 13, 20 through 22. Uh, Casey, I want James 1, 17. Uh, Sean, I want uh, Luke 13, 10 through 17. Somebody else. Uh, Jonathan, uh, and so uh, if you'll get those for me. So we're talking about covenant. The release of the covenant comes through faith in Jesus Christ, and that comes through this precious blood because that covenant was uh, was sealed for both God and man on Calvary by Christ in his death. So, uh, the relationship of father to children, Isaiah 9, 6, prophesies of this, and we want to read that for a moment. All right, here's the, all the names of this son that is to be given. This is Christ. We know this from, uh, from Bible study. One of his names is Everlasting Father. Hebrews 13, 20 through 22. Our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, made you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. Okay, here it spells out this in James one seventeen. Okay, here we find this reference over and over again. Father, son, father and children. And then uh, Hebrews 13, 10 through 17, because one of the facets of this uh, covenant is the, is the covenant of healing. Luke 13, 10 through 17. Without understanding this, you do not understand Luke 13. Here's a quiet little voice, and nobody can hear what you're saying, okay? And do you always talk like that, really quiet? I don't think your parents will agree with that, okay? <laughs> so, uh, uh, here's a woman in a synagogue. She's bowed over, can't lift herself up, and, uh, and uh, so Jesus uh, comes to her and continue reading now in a loud, clear voice. The ruler of the synagogues is upset because Jesus is healing people and suddenly he's in a crisis. And so he says, you, you can come six days. This is Sabbath day. We're only healing going on around here on the Sabbath day. Said you hypocrite, you feed and water your your animals, your dumb animals on the Sabbath day. Go ahead. 
So ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham? Ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham? Now, what's that got to do with anything? What? She's she's an inheritor of the covenant. Okay, go ahead. Satan has bound this woman 18 years. Okay, so unless you understand what we're talking about this morning, you can't understand the language that he's using. Ought not. See, this, this word ought is a word of moral obligation. Ought not this woman, because she is a daughter of Abraham... Not only was she a physical descendant of Abraham, but she also believed in Jesus Christ. And as such, uh, had a release of the covenant and received healing in her body. In the Schofield Bible, it gives a very interesting uh, rundown of the compound names of Jehovah God that are revealed in Christ, who came to bring us uh, the release uh, and the revelation of the covenant. I want to share that with you. Uh, just uh, as we move through this. In God's redemptive relation to man, various compound names of Jehovah are found which reveal him as meeting every need of man from his lost state to the end. These compound names are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. We studied all this, if you remember. Uh, in other words, you provide a sacrifice. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Uh, that this refers to physical healing, the context shows, uh, and so on. Jehovah Nisi. The Lord, my banner. In other words, this is a rallying point for those that believe uh, when the enemy is coming in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord lift up a standard against him. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, our peace, or the Lord, sin peace. Uh, 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 Jehovah Tzidkenu, the Lord, our righteousness. He has made him to be sin for us. You do no sin that uh, we might be made the righteousness of God uh, in him. Uh, uh, Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is present. This is the ever-present God. And uh, and uh, brings this through. So these seven compound names are God's revelation of Himself in the covenant revealed to us uh, in Jesus Christ. And so there are many benefits of this. We're going to get a few of these before we end. I want in this section, Luke 10, 17 through 19, uh, Don Galati. Uh, I want Luke 9, 1 and 2 and verse 6, uh, Dennis uh, if you'll get that for me. And then I want Philippians 4, 17 through 19. Pete Baker, if you'll get those. Okay? Luke 10, 17 through 19. One of the benefits of, of covenant is dominion. Dominion over demon force, dominion over demon power. Uh, Luke 10, 17 through 19. He said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Read the next verse. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Okay, here's the glorious benefits of covenant. And the newest believer has their name written in heaven and has power over demon force. That's why you can be free from all the bondages of the spirit world, habits, lust, uncleanness. This is what salvation is all about. That's why you can be free. Somebody says, I can't. You can if you will rise up 
and uh, believe God, you can be free. And, uh, and so that's dominion of the authority. Luke 9, 1 and 2 and verse 6. Power and authority. Okay, here's the dominion of authority and ability of those who are messengers. We have uh, Philippians 4, 17 through 19. There's a provision that comes out of the covenant, and this is uh, Philippians 4, 17 through 19. It's out of the resources that God has. Not that I seek to forgive, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from half a diet all right, Paul's just received their missionary offerings, they're giving for the work of God, and he makes this tremendous statement. How can you make that statement? My God shall supply all your needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. How can he make that declaration? What? Because of the covenant relationship. That's why he can make that proclamation. And this is why most uh, most people uh, live in a surface and a shallow Christianity. They do not avail themselves. What? Do, what are you arguing with me? <laughs> He's making he's making statements over there like a child that when he what'd you say? <laughs> you said pessimism absolutely correct, didn't you? <laughs> okay. I'm just kidding you. Okay, let's wind up with two healing scriptures, James five, fourteen through sixteen. In this section, someone will get that for me. James five, fourteen through sixteen. Sean and Psalms one oh three, one through three. Uh, who is it? Uh, Danny Archer. Psalms 103, 1 through 3. Healing is a part of the covenant, and uh, we're not going to study all the benefits of the covenant. We did that when we studied the compound names, and so we just want to touch on the James 5, 14 through 16. Okay, here's the covenant, New Testament covenant of healing repeated and reiterated. The reason he can say that is because of the provision of the blood of Jesus Christ. And Danny, Psalms 103, 1 through 3. Okay, here's the psalmist that says this was with, uh, with uh, absolute uh, authority and with absolute confidence. We have about four minutes. Questions or comments? Casey Woolworth. Well, Jesus was crucified and veiled with the actions of the Jews, and they would have known that this is something really significant because now, and Jesus having preached the relationship he had with God and that them as believers could have with God, but yet the power, you can see the power of religion found them, and they said, no, we're, we're going to stick with our old we're not going to believe this new thing. And you can see they put the veil back together. And you can see that 
see that when you deal with people, you know, like Catholicism or other religions, they're bound up by that religion, and they don't want to accept the fact that now they can't have a real relationship with God. Yeah, authorities say that this uh, veil was some four inches thick, which is pretty hefty. Okay, and it was rent from the top to the bottom, not the bottom to the top. Something human uh, human abilities incapable of doing. So it was a significant event. Isn't that correct? Okay. Someone else have a comment or question. Uh, uh, Jeff Brown. Yep. Yeah. She had just nailed the 95 Theses to the door of the church. She had been fine like Martin Luther. They threw her out and started a reformation down there. Amen. <laughs> Lord bless you.